Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Independence Day Eve, everybody. Ryan Drosty here, episode 301 of Top Rope Nation. Special guest on the line. Well, he's not really a special guest anymore. I mean, I'd have to say our, our regular fill-in co-host, Mr. Jesse Velasquez. Jesse, how are you doing this Monday morning? Really well, Ryan. Happy Independence Day for Canada. That passed a couple of days ago. Bret Hart's birthday was yesterday. I was a little bit surprised we didn't go on yesterday, but at this just because, hey, <laughs> you could wear a Canadian a Canadian tuxedo again like you did in your last episode. Heck yeah, Black man. And pink. Yeah. Independence Day tomorrow, but most importantly, uh, one day early, happiest of birthdays to, I believe, the second youngest fan of Top Rope Nation. That would be my son. We'll be turning two. Oh, tomorrow. yes. Very good. Happy early birthday. Well, it's always a blast to have you on. I mean, you do a, a great job whenever you come on. I always enjoy talking with you, and uh, we're making this a regular occurrence. So I'm happy you could join us. You know, Justin, I believe he's at work. He's got some things going on today. So I wanted to talk Money in the Bank. I wanted to talk SummerSlam direction. I know it's been a couple of days since Money in the Bank, but I think people still want to hear our perspective on this. And we're going to get into all of that. Um, but yeah, before we do, anything you want to plug right now? Anything going on in your neck of the woods? Oh my gosh. I've actually funny. I've been taking a little bit of time off. Last year, I took a couple of months off right around this time. Two years ago when my son was born, I took about three weeks off. Not much at all. July 10th, which is one week from today, we will be back on the air. We'll be back with the Corner Podcast's number one fan, Greg Coleman. He's made an appearance with Kellen Andreas on the show, another Blue Wire wonderful telecast slash show. So that will be, just look forward to that and it'll be streamed right here youtube twitter twitch all of the spaces very nice very nice well we are going out yes live right now top rope nation youtube se scoops of course youtube get all your pro wrestling news at sescoops.com facebook twitter twitch i think we're on jesse's twitter right now as well so we're streaming i think in seven different locations right now so wherever you are follow subscribe 
like the video. You can find the entire uh, Top Rope Nation archives at youtube.com slash Top Rope Nation. And you see all the names going across the bottom right there. Those are our tremendous Patreon supporters. We thank each and every one of you. About a week ago, a new edition of Top Rope Nation Extra went up. Myself, Rick Skelton, talking about the best WWE stories of all time. We're going to get into one of those stories today here when we talk about the main event and the direction that that could lead. We got Top Rope Nation Classics coming up, King of the Ring 2001. Actually, have not recorded that one yet, but that is officially going to be our June classic. So we'll be coming at you twice with classics here in the next 30 days or so. If you want to join up, get over 100 bonus shows. It's patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. All right, Jesse, this is what we always do. You know it. You've been on here before. Pay-per-view review or sorry, PLE review. Give me your grade for Money in the Bank, A through F. A solid B. Okay. There were a couple of little things that could have elevated this to a B plus. I don't think it was going to quite touch that A minus range for me, but I think overall there wasn't a match to me that was terrible. I thought they all were either just anywhere from okay to very good. And mm-hmm. in customary PLE fashion this year, there is going to be one match worth rewatching or one moment worth rewatching, which I think this is, we'll probably get into it later. This is the first time I think in a long time that something has been rewatchable for the WWE. At least I think that this is seven straight PLEs where you can go back and check out something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I'd give this one a B as well. Um, I didn't think, you know, any, match of the year contenders to put this into the a level for me but some rewatchability for sure um if you look at I, so i would give it a b2 if you look at what our listeners gave it over on our twitter page i guess i can share out the poll results let me share that window it was somewhat similar to forbidden door maybe a little bit a little bit less a's on this one uh, pretty much split between a's and b's hopefully this is going to share here on my video stream there it is All right, so we had 70 votes come in for this, 47% A, 40% B. So, I mean, largely A, B show. I would would agree with that. I would put it at a B, but I could see why some very big WWE fans have put this one at an A. But overall, I mean, a a very positive show. I certainly didn't regret watching it. I was entertained. I thought the middle had a little bit of a lull, as we're going to talk about here uh, in just a second. But, I mean, overall... It was a pretty good show. Now you compare that to what we had for Forbidden Door, because I was going to ask you to compare those shows here. Uh, Let's see, share that tab. That one we had 63% of respondents gave that one an A and 20% a B. And I think it came in with an A A for that show. Uh, We didn't get your perspective on it, but I'm assuming you probably gave Forbidden Door about an A, A minus. Yeah, I think... A minus sounds about right. I mean, Omega and Osprey blew the roof off. Nothing was going to follow it. I preferred their Wrestle Kingdom match for what it's worth. I don't know if anybody's really gone to say, hey, this is the match of the year. I'd suggest to go back and watch that on New Japan World or you can maybe find on Daily Motion or something. But Carl made a great point in the chat as well. The crowd in customary PLE fashion this year was very energetic in a i think that's one thing that 
has been a little bit swept under the rug is that since February that the PLEs, except for WrestleMania, have been outside of the United States. So they're yes. getting a fresh look at this product. So the energy is there. Whereas I think if you were to do these in larger arenas in the U.S., you wouldn't be getting these same crowd responses. Yeah. Speaking of the crowd and just the setup, one of the things I really liked about this show is they're sticking with that setup they had at Backlash with the smaller entranceway coming out of the corner. Kind of has those early 90s vibes where, you know, like the entranceway kind of wraps around out from the corner. It's not straight on, but also, you know, it's minimalist, which I think works for pay-per-views because it actually makes it feel different. You know, the small video board that they kind of just walk out from the corner out of. The other positive of this is they can get more people in the arena when they do this. You know, they can actually sell in the round all the way around rather than blocking out, you know, a quarter of the arena behind the massive Titantron. You can sell more tickets. They had a huge crowd at the O2 Arena. Uh, but also, it really does feel different. We talk about this on the show all the time. We want pay-per-views to feel different than what we see on television every week. And we said during Backlash in, in Puerto Rico, it was an awesome feel. And they kept that same setup here. And it really, really worked. Did you take note of that as well? Absolutely. Backlash, especially Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Holy cow, did they bring it? And I'm looking to see who knows. I think the rest of the year they're in the United States for their PLEs. They might have another maybe crown jewel in November. I haven't really looked that far ahead, but I think it would suit them well to continuously get out of the United States. Because they do have a very loyal global following and it can make things just appeal much more to audiences and maybe will connect with somebody who either has left the WWE audience for whatever reason, just hasn't been around or maybe attract somebody new and like, Hey, this, this actually might be worth watching sticking to storylines and such. Well, they definitely tease that they might be doing more of that in the future, as we will talk about here with John Cena's return in a little bit. So Let's let's start off. Let's get into the show a little bit. We're going to breeze through these matches. Not going to go super blow by blow here. It's been a couple of days. Uh, but I mean, your general thoughts, they open with the men's money in the bank match. We had L.A. Knight, Damian Priest, Logan Paul, Nakamura, Ricochet, Santos Escobar and Butch. Now, going in, who did you think was going to win, Jesse? Because there's a lot of talk about surprises with this one. Logan Paul? I... Uh... I don't know. I think maybe we were outsmarting ourselves and thinking that just because LA Knight has been getting such a tremendous crowd response and it was very apparent London loved him, you're mm -hmm. starting to see that, I think, in arenas even here in the United States. But at the same time, that's something that the WWE hasn't really done well is fan service giving them what they want so if you're bringing in someone new to this they're like why wouldn't you give it to that guy <laughs> i mean yeah. and one thing michael cole by the way was very up and down on this on this broadcast and this was where i thought he was down him shouting it's fight night when pete dunn came out i'm gonna call him Pete dunn which is just not the mm -hmm. name for me yeah. and then he asked what do Logan Paul's 24 million YouTube subscribers think of him getting beaten up right now? I said maybe a thousand at most are, watch most are watching this. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, and I guess this would be an interesting metric to look at. I don't even know if it matters. Would Does Logan Paul really draw in that many more new viewers or more income to the WWE's pocket? 
I think it's mostly just about social media views. I highly doubt, like you said, I highly doubt many of his followers are sitting down watching the full three to four hours or even weekly television. But, you know, they'll see the clips that get pushed out and then he reshares and stuff. But yeah, it's the social media age. And I think for them, it's just all about recognizability of the brand and then, you know, him possibly getting it out through the social media. But yeah, that would be interesting to see how how many actually sit down and watch the full shows, because I would bet the percentage is very small. Completely agree. Damian Priest, I would have probably ranked him in the top three. You knew that Ricochet wasn't going to win. He's there for the spots as evidence when we run into this. Nakamura his entrance per usual and much like the WWE, the entrance is super over. And when they're in the ring, not really is over. Yeah. Like it's almost like a Seth Rollins too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's quite a few people that are just living off their entrances and not really doing as much in the ring to kind of exploit their prowess when it comes to how oh, they come out. I was going to bring up the, the combative relationship with the fans aspect that you just talked about, about, you know, giving the fans what they want. Cause yeah, LA Knight is very, very over right now. And I thought to me, the top two are Logan Paul or LA Knight. And I thought maybe Logan Paul, just because, you know, we've talked about historically this, this gimmick money in the bank works best with people who get booed, <laughs> you know, LA Knight's very over. It could work for him. Not in the same way. Uh, I, yeah, I probably would have put Damian Priest number three. I was a little surprised that he won. But the idea of the combative relation with the fans, it seems like WWE hasn't had that as much lately. Now, you could talk about Cody and Roman, but at the same time, Roman is so popular that even though he retained and people wanted to see Cody go over, people didn't. I mean, the ultra wrestling critics were shitting on it for sure. But like the WWE audience, they're certainly not disappointed. Roman's still top. Uh, you haven't really seen like the rebellious crowd type of thing with WWE. And they've mostly under Hunter's direction, like giving been giving people what they want to see. But they definitely wanted to see LA and I go over here. I mean, the crowd was crazy behind him. Uh, what do you think about that relationship WWE has with their fans right now? I think the ones who haven't left... They they are just very it's like Pavlov's dogs. I know Kyle made this reference so many times. You just teach him to like <laughs> teach him to like a certain thing. You will like this. Yes. Exactly. Ding, ring the bell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like I'm ding, with ding. that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I made this point on my last podcast episode was I think the biggest reason you're not seeing much revolt from WWE fans in arenas is those fans have moved over to all elite wrestling. I think especially with the NXT crowds in the 2017, 2018, 16 days, the Smarks, as you want to call them, a lot of them have left. They've gone over to the other company. So now things are a lot more receptive. And I will make this point again later. There's a lot of foreshadowing. Is that I think over the last year that the WWE has improved slightly with everything, the presentation, the product, there's still some glimpses there of like the old Vince regime and Vince is probably still there trying to make tweaks, but there have been some improvements over the last 12 months and some change. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the match itself, again, crowd really behind LA night. I don't have a ton of notes on this, just a couple of high points. Um, at one point, Ricochet did a leap through the ladder to the outside. That was a pretty cool spot. 
Uh, Ricochet involved in a lot of the cool spots here. A 450 springboard onto the ladder back into the ring. The one part of the match that everyone has been talking about and in the moment was certainly talking about was this crazy spot that Logan Paul Ricochet again did where they were like on the top rope and they fell to the outside, didn't hit it exactly how they wanted, went through the table, landed very awkwardly. I think uh, Logan Paul cut open his shoulder or something doing this. It looked brutal at the time. Do you remember what they were even going for there? I can't even remember now. It was a Spanish fly. Was it? Yeah. What you noticed, and I did rewatch it a couple of times this morning, was Ricochet probably got about 60% of, of the momentum. You could see his left foot slipping as they were rotating. Mm. He just got enough push from his right foot to rotate maybe three quarters, so he didn't even get the full rotation. And you definitely noticed Logan sure didn't. You know, it's almost like he didn't land on his head like Kenny Omega did with the Tiger Driver 91, but at the same time, this could have been catastrophic. Yeah. So very fortunate that both men are healthy for the most part yeah for sure uh and then at the end it looked like la knight have had it won now i really like the way they shot this so he was climbing to the top of the ladder camera zoomed in on him crowds going crazy and then out of nowhere damian priest like rises up with his hand and you see it come from the bottom of the frame slams him off and damian priest wins so i mean it's one thing another thing i noted here is uh LA Knight is so over that during this match, he got the the Brits to boo Pete Dunne. <laughs> you yes. know, like the one guy in the ring that's actually a Brit. They were booing him. So, I mean, they really wanted him to win. But at the same time, I understand what they're doing here because if you look on one hand, their best story that they have had right now, by far, in, in many years, the bloodline, the storyline with the faction possibly splitting apart and then splitting apart and, you know, all the drama going on there. I'm sure they want to recapture that and do something, you know, it's not the same level of stars, but something with the judgment day. And so clearly, as we saw this play out later in the show, they want the drama of the briefcase to draw in viewers to what's going on with judgment day. And they feel like this is the type of situation where you can kill two birds with one stone. You can give Damien priest this, maybe elevate him at the same time, use it to bring in even more eyeballs to what's going on with Judgment Day, maybe get another really good storyline going on. I don't know that that's going to happen, but that's how they're thinking. So I don't really have a big problem with Damian Priest winning, given what their goal is. And the goal is the drama within the Judgment Day now. What do you think about that? You know, he had a lot of momentum in 2021 when he teamed with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania, and they kept that going. In kayfabe world, which I'm going to go to a couple of times here throughout the show, his win percentage is one of the highest in the WWE in 2021. And I think as soon as he joined Judgment Day and he became the muscle, he kind of got intertwined in that 50-50. We all, we've all known that he's had the talent. I saw you retweeted this yesterday. Punishment Martinez in ROH when he was the TV champ had a yeah. tremendous match not too long ago with Ishii. The guy has always, he's always had it. The presentation's always been there. He's a little, I mean, much like WWE, he's a little older. He's in his, I think he's 40 on the nose. So, but the thing is, he hasn't been on WWE television enough for the fans to realize that he's been in the game for so long. That's the same thing with LA Knight. So these two appear yeah. fresher than they are. Mm. And I, I do like, I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, Damian Priest may not have been the 100% correct decision here, but he's a, probably a close number two. I'm starting to think that Logan Paul was definitely not it. 
I don't know like how much mainstream coverage that they would have given him to go, oh, he has a chance to be a world champion. But let's tell you the story about how this world title is really the fourth championship on the entire company or in the entire company. <laughs> right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. What, okay. We had some discussion on this yesterday in the Facebook group. So what do you think the ceiling is for LA Knight? What's your opinion on this? Uh, not universal champion. Okay. <laughs> I can definitely tell you that. I I've gone back and watched some of his NWA Eli Drake stuff. I don't really remember much of his impact work. He's got a great look, talks extremely well, but you're gonna we're gonna talk about kind of Dwayne Johnson here towards the tail end, or at least for one moment, but he's got a lot of that vibe to it. And I do see that there's criticism out there from some that said, Oh, he's just cosplaying so and so and you realize that like Hulk Hogan was cosplaying Dusty Rhodes as superstar Billy Graham way back when. Yeah. And that he got that over. So everyone takes a touch of somebody else's character and then just splices it up and tries to spin it off in an in original take, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, pretty much almost all the biggest stars. You know, Flair did that as well. So yeah, that's nothing new. I think for me with LA Knight, I find him very, very entertaining. I don't think he's like a main event guy moving forward. I think he'll settle in in the like upper mid card. I think I see US champion for sure. He can hang around that picture as long as he wants. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get in the world title picture, maybe even hold it once briefly. You know, a lot of people have had that happen. Uh, but I get, I get like the the Ziggler vibes from him this is what i what i put out in the facebook group around 2013 2014 dolph ziggler was mega over with the crowd i remember going to a raw show with my dad and i think it was 13 or 14 and it was when he had that bright pink shirt out and it was everywhere in the crowd like the only shirts you would have saw more of was john cena at the time this guy was selling so much merch of course he had the memorable money in the bank cash in but did, was, did he hang around the top of the card? Well, maybe you could argue WWE should have pushed him more and kept him there. But I don't think even if they did, he would have hung around at the top of the card. And it's not the same wrestler, obviously. And, and then they're different in some ways. But I feel like the the crowd movement behind him is kind of that same crowd movement that you had for Ziggler for a while. I don't feel like this is a crowd movement like a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk that pushed those guys to the top. I feel like it's a, it's a notch below that. It has been fun to watch. Um, but I don't think that this is a, is a guy that's going to settle in and stay at the top of the card. That doesn't mean he shouldn't get a shot at it, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. I agree. And here's the thing with Dolph Ziggler. I will shamelessly admit that I was a mark for him during right around that time too, mm-hmm. is that LA Knight, at some point, if you do want to give him a championship, and Ziggler was a victim of this as well, they chased the other world championship. So it, he was mm-hmm. never the primary focus of the company. And LA Knight's going to fall into that exact same category. So the question I'll ask when we get to that Seth Rollins point is just like, why Why in the world do we introduce another world championship? <laughs> so pointless. So pointless. All right. We can move on pretty quickly here through the yeah. next part. It was the uh, the women's tag team championship match. This was not a great match. Um, let's see. We had Liv Morgan coming out in her Spice Girl tribute gear. That was nice. I enjoyed that. Jesse? As a male, yes, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Shayna Baszler coming out. Green Ranger 
tribute gear it looked like or something like that power rangers maybe maybe basically the story of what happened was baszler turned on ronda during the match which allowed um Liv morgan and raquel to become the new champions and the turn just kind of came totally out of nowhere uh you know you had ronda attack bay or sorry baszler attack ronda when ronda was like on the mat crawling across the ring and all of a sudden she just came out of nowhere attacked her and walked off and it seemed very abrupt i felt like they could have probably built up to this a little bit better within the match itself it just felt kind of off when it happened um and the other awkward thing about this is the way it played out it would seem like they're trying to get babyface heat behind ronda rousey and i just don't think that that's gonna happen jesse I really don't either. And again, since Money in the Bank is taking place in another continent, when they get back, it's just going to be probably the same old story for Ronda Rousey. Probably a mixed reaction. I did see somebody online just saying like this is her victory lap. Maybe her 60 minutes of fame is might be up here. And I have seen that Ronda is potentially leaving and it's part of the reason why Shayna is and Ronda are going to be feuding is that they're going to try to get Shayna over. But that also brings up the glaring problem that the WWE's had for the last four and a half, almost five years now. The tag team, women's tag team division, you're, you're never really going to make anything of it. You keep breaking up your best teams and there really is no rhyme or reason as to who's challenging. There's only three main roster teams, I think, that are even available the other half of your teams are in nxt so it it doesn't really make any sense there's i don't really see them ever elevating those tag team titles to making them anything shayna and ronda had a chance to do it but -hmm. it just sounds like ronda's on her way out the door you can almost like feel from her from the screen that she doesn't want to be there she's lost most of her steam that she had when she came i mean go back and watch when she first came in compared to now i went to a smackdown I guess I don't think I even talked about this on the show, but three weeks ago I went to SmackDown, took my kids. We had a fun time. Rhonda was there, you know, unannounced. Her and Baszler came out. She got almost no reaction from the crowd. It was like the crowd was totally ambivalent when she came out. And it was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. Uh, but nobody cared at all. She, I mean, just zero momentum behind her at this point in time. So, yeah, I mean, I would not be shocked to see her exit because you can tell she doesn't want to be there either. She's ready to be a full-time mom. She she has an almost two-year-old child as well. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing that like when, when they rehired her, I'm assuming they gave her a boatload of money to come back. She won the Royal Rumble in 22, and she was four months removed from giving birth, which was unbelievable. I don't know how somebody could athletically go in four months later and even perform at a average levels you could tell she was two steps behind the eight ball and for good reason no Mm -hmm. one's really ever mentioned that she's never really truly trained to get herself back into the shape that she was in 2018 17 19 and for probably obvious reason she's trying to raise a family so her heart's probably not into it as much yeah absolutely okay icy title match gunther defending against riddle um mostly this was a pretty average match not a bad match but nothing nothing special really pretty pretty dominant win for gunther uh riddle got a little bit of offense in. he hit the floating bro at one point in time um he countered a top rope splash from gunther attempt into an arm bar but eventually you know gunther picked him up dead weight slammed him and in the end gunther gets the victory uh any thoughts on this one jesse 
I'll make one is that go back and watch. I can't believe Cole made a reference of this. Riddle and Walter from Progress a few years ago in Europe. Physical. Mm. Very mm. physical. And he's like, yeah, Riddle's getting his rematch from four or five years ago in Progress against Gunther. I was like, oh, wow, they actually made mention of it. That match was way better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will ask you this question. Would you rather have Sam Irvin or Ludwig Kaiser introduce Gunther? <laughs> Kaiser, definitely. <laughs> what was the uh, greatest of all time ring announcer, Sam Irvin? She made a big blunder on this show. Um, who did she? Was it? She announced Bailey. somebody from the. What's that? Bailey. The Judgment Bailey Day. from the Judgment Day. That's right. That's what it was. I was like, what? What did she say? Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It happens. I mean, was it Justin Roberts who called Buddy Matthews Buddy Murphy a few, a few weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. it happens. It just happens to be exploited even more in the social media yeah. network yeah. these days. She's getting better. I, I will say, when she first started, I came on the pod. I was like, oh, man, the growling. I just don't <laughs> like it. She's not doing that as much anymore. I think she is definitely getting better. She's new. It's not fair to totally evaluate her. At this point in time, she's growing, growing into the role. I just thought it was totally ludicrous when there's people on Twitter saying, oh, yeah, Sam Irvin is the greatest wrestling announcer of all time. Like, what? <laughs> Have you been watching pro wrestling for like two years? <laughs> probably. Probably that's those are the people the posts are coming from. Gary but, Michael Capetta, Howard Finkel. Yeah. I mean, those are my top two. Probably. I agree. I would agree with those two also. All right. Um, at this point in time, so after the match, Drew McIntyre comes out, surprise appearance. There was a lot of talk that there could be a surprise entrance in the men's money in the bank. People were talking about Randy Orton. People were talking about Drew McIntyre. McIntyre does make the surprise appearance here after the IC title match. It was his first appearance since the triple threat for the IC title back at Mania. Cole got on commentary and said the rumors of Drew McIntyre's demise in WWE are not true. So I don't know if they've had a new agreement in place now or not. I haven't heard anything on that yet. Perhaps I'd be shocked if there's not something there since he did come back. But we know that behind the scenes, there has been a lot of kind of a tug of war over his contract, which was expiring here towards the end of the year. But he's back in the fold now. He ended up hit- hitting the Claymore on Gunther posing with the IC title and uh, they're rekindling that feud and likely going to have a match at SummerSlam. It looks like, uh, what'd you think of the return of Drew McIntyre? Tremendous crowd response in his home continent. Mm-hmm. Drew's always been a really good performer. Give him credit for re repackaging himself when he left and went from McIntyre to Drew Galloway and the impact and in, in the independence to come back to McIntyre. And he's just a monster ever since he got his just due when he was pushed, I think during the pandemic for him and he, him and Bailey, I think are the two that have really taken three to four steps back since crowds have come back. And I don't necessarily know if it was fair for, for Drew. I don't really see him defeating Gunther here, especially since I believe September 7th is the day where Gunther finally passes the honky tonk man as the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. Apparently the macho man, Randy Savage, I'm assuming his number two reign is coming up next. Cole made mention of that on the broadcast as well. 
So yeah. I think it's going to be a fun physical match. I'd li- I do want to see the two go head to head and it'll just establish dominance for Gunther when he eventually loses that title and they do elevate him to the world title picture. I'd love to see yeah. a universal picture, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I can practically hear Justin Joint screaming with ecstasy from here, thinking about the honky tonk man's reign and record falling. Finally, Justin, it's going to happen. I agree. Yeah, they they got to break, break the record. We know they've been all about the records lately, right? So you would think. Okay. Cody and Dominic. Uh, you had the American Nightmare coming out for one night only in the Union Jack. He had the Union Jack on his ring jacket instead of the Stars and Stripes from America. Perhaps causing George Washington to turn over in his grave down at Mount Vernon a little bit. But yes, indeed. <laughs> He was the British nightmare for one night. And uh, basically, the story was, you know, Rhea Ripley was out there. There was some distraction which would allow Dominic to briefly get in some offense. But overall, it it was a dominant win for Cody. Hit the Alabama slam, Cody Cutter, crossroads, pinfall. Not a lot to this one, Jesse. I'm happy that there wasn't much substance to this. I did worry a little bit about Dom Mysterio after the feud with his father, Ray, how his responses would be. And I'm actually surprised that his responses are still there, but it's still covering up the fact that his in-ring work just still isn't to par. So I was really happy to see go uh, Cody go over clean and without any distractions. No Brock Lesnar on the show, which was, I think, maybe kind of nice to see. I did notice a little caveat that under Rhea's eye, it said Dirty Dom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really they have good. great chemistry together so maybe maybe over time dom will eventually morph into something yeah i don't know I mean, he's still we, so young yeah we were pretty hard on him you know at the beginning when ray's out he's got to be out too and he's he still has a ways to go but he at least the way he carries himself as a heel he's improved a lot but like you said in the ring he's got a ways to go still but i mean Dude, if you look at some of the the heel heat and some of his entrances he's had this year, it's been spectacular. Uh, go back to WrestleMania, you know that was really good. Just pre- presentation overall. So maybe he can get there, but here, yeah, I mean this is the right decision. Put Cody over pretty clean, and then they followed that up with the surprise appearance from John Cena. And apparently this was uh, kept really quiet. Even from people backstage, they were surprised to see John there. At least some of them were. And he came out and he cut this kind of awkward promo where he talked about, you know, earlier we were talking about WWE's relationship with their fans and how there hasn't been that antagonizing relationship, really. And it was almost like John was trying to create that because he said that they, the people on the back, they take you all for granted, you know, and he was talking about the chance and the crowd response and everything. And uh, yeah, he he says that, you know, the decision makers backstage, they think you're a distraction and that you want to be part of the show. And then John says they are the show. And basically, then he gets into this portion of the promo where he says he's there because he wants to bring WrestleMania to London. And of course, the place went crazy. And initially, my thought, Jesse, was, boy, that AEW all-in number, they really want to break that already, don't they? Someone backstage just does not want AEW to have that record for biggest gate, possibly biggest crowd. We'll see what happens in the UK. Did that come to your mind watching this? 
I watched this a few hours after I'd heard about it. So yes. And then the one thing I did mention was there's a reason that the decision makers, you know, think they're like, why are you being so rebellious? Well, it's because an other than Saudi Arabia, the WWE has not been to any other country in the last 20 years for a PLE. And he mentioned that as well. He's like, why hasn't London, why haven't you guys gotten a PLE since 2002? Well, again, it's because Vince just wanted to stay in the US. I don't think they had made in a Canadian appearance until, of course, the Elimination Chamber before that, 2005? Or no, it was 2008 or nine. I remember Kyle making a a, a mention of it. Did that SummerSlam where Natty was in the world title match? Yes, Toronto. Yeah, I can't remember what year that was. That 17? was I remember. 19, it was it was that. 19. 19. Cuz okay. that was the in-ring debut of the Fiend's character Bray Wyatt. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was kind of odd, but yeah, he's talking about yes, we want to bring WrestleMania to London. And what's odd about this is the absolute earliest that that could happen would be two and a half years from now. Okay, because, you know, obviously we know they're going to be in Philadelphia and apparently they're making final arrangements for 25, 2025, and that's going to be stateside. So the absolute earliest could happen is 2026. So he's building up their expectations for something that at the earliest is going to be two and a half years from now. I do know and I think Fightful had a report on this that there's been talk about like SummerSlam coming over there, maybe the Rumble. Uh, and that they've been talking about that internally, but WrestleMania not so much. <laughs> so this was a this was an odd deal from John Cena. But after that, Grayson Waller interrupts him, and he says Mania should go to Australia. And then he he invites John Cena to come be on the Grayson Waller effect. And Cena says no, and then Grayson says nobody says no to John Cena, and they fight. And Cena gives him the AA, and and that was that. Thoughts, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Grayson Waller's act right now isn't transitioning well from NXT. I don't know if that's no. the fault of his own because they're putting him in there, giving him segments with some of the biggest performers on the roster. He's already going to be with Edge on SmackDown at Madison Square Garden here on Friday. They've already announced that. Yeah, a couple of points. the show. Yeah. Yeah. A couple other points I was going to make when I saw the, the Money in the Bank was trending number one in the U.S. on Twitter. That was They were having huge issues with Twitter on Saturday. Mm-hmm. huge yeah, a big old hubbub elon musk is ready to burn that thing to the ground i think any point in time so i don't think this is really going to do much for grayson because it hasn't done much for austin theory which i would love your opinion on his new finisher and how bad it is yeah no don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> so bad and yeah how, how did that? How did that Austin Theory win over John Cena at WrestleMania? How, how is that? What's that done for his career in the last four yeah. months? Yeah, has not elevated him. Feels about the same, maybe less, less steam than he had earlier in the year. To be honest with you, Ooh. yeah. Twitter. I'm glad you got me that Blue Sky invite, Jesse, a few months ago. <laughs> I got to get a little bit more Saturday. Yeah, we just got to get the the rest of the free thinking world, or at least the ones that have uh, two more than 200 brain cells in their inside their heads to. <laughs> transition over there i like carl's point here as well you thinking go ahead and pop that one up for the for the crew here is <laughs> <laughs> this senile old man thinking he can create a bidding war between london and australia for mania <laughs> yeah i just i don't know like i know fife ought to report on this but they said cena's promo was 
I'm paraphrasing here, but surprise people because Mania hasn't been in the discussion. They've been talking about SummerSlam and Rumble. It was very bizarre. This is a weird promo, but yeah. I I could see a Rumble being there. I think that would be nice. I, I would mm-hmm. love to see... I'd like to see four PLEs out of the however many they choose to do over the year in different parts of the world. I just know Vince McMahon's thinking, I got to run two nights at Wembley now. Got to tap that AEW number. They can't have it. Can't have that record. But that record's going to stand at least for a couple of years (laughs) based on scheduling, unless they do a two-night SummerSlam there before a WrestleMania in uh, 26 or whenever the, the earliest they can get there is. All right, moving on. This one surprised me, Jesse. The women's money in the bank. We have been very hard on the women's money in the bank matches in the past. And I don't think it's controversial to say most of them have been very, very bad. This one wasn't. It was actually a very good match. It it started off a little clunky, I will say. And one of those names, Zelina Vega, looked bad in the beginning, but at the end was involved in the memorable spots. So I can't, you know, shit on her performance too much. Early on... There was a pretty ridiculous spot. Basically, Zelina was trapped under a ladder on the outside of the ring. It was like leaned up against the ring apron. And the idea was she couldn't lift the ladder to like get out. I mean, come on. <laughs> just like looking at it just physically didn't make sense that she couldn't get out of there. Um, EO Sky was tremendous in this match. He had a moonsault off the top of the, the taller ladder in the ring. Uh, Trish looked like she might have broken her nose she had a pretty bad bruise on the bridge of her nose uh throughout the match in the match by the way trish zoe stark becky lynch eel sky bailey and Zelina vega and they told the story where like becky and trish were briefly teaming up to power bomb Zelina off the ladder because apparently one of them couldn't lift her by themselves um there was a stratisfaction from trish to bailey on the ladder in the ring uh and then Zoe Stark took out handcuffs on the outside after she took out Becky Lynch and she got one cuff on Becky, but Becky then fought off being cuffed to the ring, which is what Starks was trying to do with her. And then they bring in the ladder and they put the ladder across from the ring to the announce table. And you had the manhandle slam from Becky to Trish onto that. And then there was a spinning neck breaker off the apron from Starks to Becky then back in the ring, Vega hit a code red. That's the sunset flip powerbomb off the top of the ladder onto the wedge ladder in the ring that was set between the ladder and the ropes on uh, Stark. And then EO Sky has the match one. She's climbing up, but Bailey tips over the ladder on her own teammates. And so now we've got the turmoil there between them. Bailey climbs up. Becky gets up there and she uses this was cool. The open handcuff that was, you know, on the other end that was they were trying to clip to the ring and she uses it like a fish hook on Bailey to like drag her down the ladder. Then emerges EO Sky who handcuffs Bailey and Becky together through the ladder, which allows EO Sky to climb up and get the win and become Miss Money in the Bank. And EO Sky, again, man, she is getting really over right now, too. This was this was the nod to the audience. Backlash shocked me how over she was. And I mean, I knew she was over, but man, the Puerto Rico crowd went crazy for EO Sky. Everyone was talking about it during that show. And then here over in the UK, same thing. So they loved, loved, loved seeing EO Sky go over here. Um, I can't disagree with the decision at all. Of course, you know, damage control, they're going to build up the the heat there with her having the briefcase as well. 
But, you know, overall, clunky start, but down the end, pretty good match with some creative spots. And I was I was shocked how much I liked this one, Jesse. Yes, I actually, the very first note I took was the women are working hard. I mm-hmm. thought they did a very admirable job. Also give credit, which we rarely do, because it really isn't justified. WWE's camera crew for EO's moonsault, they didn't pan to the, the wrestlers on the floor. They panned to her climbing climbing the ladder and having her set up. So you couldn't see anything going on on the floor. It made the moonsault look that much better to me. Mm-hmm. So I there agree. needs to be more of that overall in, in pro wrestling. I like two-thirds of that first handcuff spot with the fish hook. I think if you had gotten away from maybe a couple of seconds because you could start to see it slowly come out of Bailey's mouth. I was like, oh no. I'm like, you gotta pan to a different camera Zoom here. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that made that part a little hokey, but holy cow, I that the actual handcuff spot with Bailey and Becky was great. And it was it, it didn't look forced. Like EO just ran in there as fast as she could, took a second. So it made it look extremely believable. And the last thing I want to say is Trish Stratus. Wow. You're taking some unnecessary bumps as a, maybe, I guess, as a retired Hall of Famer. She's like you 47, mean, I think, isn't she? Yeah. I'm simply amazed that you, you mentioned the the Becky spot with the slam. We also mentioned Zelina's code red spot, which was Zelina actually took the worst of it, which is good for Zoe because like Zelina yeah. just landed straight on her butt. Just boom. Mm. I was like, ouch, that's got to hurt you. And yeah, Zoe, Zoe looked protected in that. Right performer one, it's about time with, with EO. And there really isn't much to resurrect with damage control. I've always found them to be middling ever since last year mm-hmm. when they introduced them. It was great, but there hasn't been anything for them in the last 12 months. Bailey hasn't looked the best. And Dakota and EO have been just kind of floating around in Middlesville just winning and losing the tag team titles and now Dakota's that, out so that's the problem those ta- those tag titles just don't mean anything and they never went really full bore with Bailey at the top of the card so like what are you supposed to think about this group the tag titles that nobody cares about nobody's really in the world title picture long term so like okay very middle of the road group yeah yeah Bianca stomped her three times she beat Bailey three times in title matches and basically beat damage control at, at extreme rules in that ladder match yeah. All three of them had a hand in it. Yep. All right. World title match. Seth and Finn. Uh, you know, they were selling the fact that Seth had the injured ribs. He was really selling those early. <clears throat> kind of back and forth after Seth was selling at the beginning a lot. Seth goes for a frog splash. Finn gets his knees up. Um, Damian Priest came out at one point, you know, teasing that he was going to cash in the money in the bank. So here we are with the drama between Judgment Day. In the end... You had uh, Finn hitting the coup de grace on the outside off of the ring steps twice to Seth. They go back in the ring and you get Finn going up top. He's going to go for the actual coup de grace off the top rope. And just as he's about to do it, Damian Priest kind of starts walking over like he's going to cash in. So Finn hesitates and then he finally jumps. He misses the coup de grace and then Seth hit the stop and got the pinfall. I would say on this one, I like the teasing they did at the end and the finish worked. The rest of the match was pretty middle of the road. I had higher expectations for it. I think these guys could definitely have a better match. Um, and they called back to their SummerSlam match a little bit. Uh, but overall, it was at tops a three-star match. Yes. <laughs> I did not think it was anything special at all. You? 
exact same sentiments. Does Finn kind of get flashbacks when he goes up for a buckle bomb? You wonder. Seth, Seth yeah. gave it to him. I mean, the landing, of course, was good. It was in the ring this time. Yeah. I really liked Finn's shotgun dropkick to the outside uh, mm. on Seth when Damian Priest had just sat down in his seat. I thought mm-hmm. the I thought the shot there was was great. But overall, yeah, match was just up and down. And again, it looks like Damien's going to be chasing the fourth world championship there. So am I supposed to care about it? I would love to care about it more, but you haven't given me a reason to. So doesn't doesn't it like <laughs> it makes it worse that Roman is literally carrying around three belts, right? Because, like, they gave him the new all gold. What a lazy design. Okay, we'll just make it all gold now. Okay, whatever. So he's got that belt. But they still have the the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which, by the way, is what they call the one Seth has. The same freaking name that Lesnar used to have, which, notice the Lesnar side plate on there that Heyman was trying to cover up. Did you guys see that? Floating around on social media? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh. that was, that sucks. <laughs> but then also, you know, the Universal title. So, like, this guy's got three title belts. Who on earth could buy Seth Rollins as a world champion? Like, this is clearly the guy. We talked about it constantly on the show. But, like, if they really wanted two titles, they should have had Roman drop one of them and split it off. It was that simple. You don't need to create a whole new title. So, yeah, I mean, this is clearly the not-as-pushed world title that nobody will take to mean the world title. Um, One of my daughters, my oldest daughter, was watching this with me. And I was, she doesn't watch week to week. And she was like very confused about Seth having the title, which by the way, Seth was at the SmackDown we went to the raw world champion. He wrestled a dark match. He wrestled a dark match against Damian priest. Interesting at the SmackDown three weeks ago. And he had the title there. And I don't think my daughter really took note of it. (laughs) I don't know why they, I think he's wrestling at SmackDown at MSG too coming up. Um, but I assumed because it was in Iowa and he's from Iowa, that's why they had him there. But yeah, he was on SmackDown uh, in the dark match after the show. And she didn't mention it here. But then during the, this event, my daughter was watching with me and she's like, what is that belt? And I was like, that's the world title. And she's like, but Roman's the world champion. And I was like, oh, God. Yep, exactly. This is the problem. And it's like, oh, well, it's the other world title. No, doesn't work. A that way. seven year old can figure out the logic <laughs> behind world championships. Exactly. Hello exactly it will never be taken as an actual world title so pointless i know on and on about this jesse no we 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 really could i'm just curious like i said with uh with judgment day they've they've started to climb a little but again they're still kind of a middling act because there was a time when they were losing a bunch last year and then all of a sudden they're like hey let's elevate them because dom's getting over and but Rhea is pretty much even though they don't want it to make it look like she is, she's probably the undisputed leader of that group. Yes, for sure. Well, let's get to the real world champion here. The bloodline civil war in the main event. Ric Flair. <laughs> the real world's champion. Can't have that belt though. Got to carry out the WWF tag team title belt lawsuits, Jesse lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> Still an upgrade over that belt that uh, Seth Rollins is carrying around, but I digress. Indeed. <laughs> so Jay and Jimmy Uso, Roman and Solo Sokoa. Uh, pre-show, there was a promo with Paul Heyman backstage. He's never seen Roman like this. What he's going to do to his cousins. And he was crying. Did you see that one? 
I caught the the crying part. I didn't get a chance to see the full promo. Yeah. So he did a good job selling it. And we get into the match here. And um, there was this brief moment where the Usos were kind of getting over on Roman. And then Paul screams at Jay that, or he, he screams at Roman that I think he was talking about Jay wants to be the tribal chief and you can't have your kids at his table. And then Roman kind of snapped out of it because he was doubting himself. This is the story because he couldn't quite beat the Usos. And he had this look of confusion on his face, you know, and he, he couldn't believe it. Well, then after Paul was selling him on this, uh, Roman and Solo started to dominate for a while. There was the crowd singing, if you hate Roman stand up, which was funny. Um, you had Solo beating on Jimmy for a while. Uh, Roman gave Jimmy the drive by. But in the end, you have a, a ref bump and the Usos hit the one D, but the referees knocked out. Then there was a spike and a spear to Jey Uso simultaneously and Solo dragged Jimmy over on top of Jay. And then, you know, Roman was going to stack him and pin him, like he says, and he covers both of them and they kicked out. I thought that was the finish. Crowd I was killed. shocked. I was shocked when they kicked out of that. And Roman, the, the facial reaction from him, just stunned that they kicked out. And then again, he's doubting himself like earlier in the match when Paul had to snap him out of it. You know, he's, is he losing his confidence with these guys? So Roman's panicking. And then Solo starts beating on Jimmy and he gets it's constantly now solo Sokoa has to get roman back into it roman screams at solo to end him he says we don't need them anymore and then solo goes to splash on jimmy through the table on the outside he's standing like on the ringside barrier but jimmy moves solo goes through the announce table then back in the ring jay super kicked roman but then he gets a superman punch like roman bounces off the rope superman punch jay then hits another super kick sending Roman back into the ropes. And then Roman comes off the ropes with a spear. Jay kicks out of the spear too, right? Crowd's going nuts at this point in time. I was stunned by the way with that. But here's the thing I'm going to get take deduct a couple of points from Michael Cole. He missed the low blow. We all saw yep. the low blow, but he didn't make mention of it until the replay. Yep. So on the replay, they showed how when Jay kicked out, hit the low blow with his arm between... Uh, Roman's legs and they talked about Roman's done this before too after that as Roman's selling the low blow super kicks all around from the Usos and then Jay goes up top he hits the splash and Jay Uso pins Roman Reigns so first time in three and a half years since December of 2019 that Roman Reigns has been pinned the last man to pin him Baron Corbin can no longer hold that honor so he's been pinned. Of course, he's still champion. This is a tag match. But Jey Uso got one over on him. And the crowd loved it. And it was pretty much just the celebration with Roman looking stunned as they went off the air. And so I guess the question here is, and you've talked about this on the pod for months now, since they didn't do Cody Rhodes, they didn't do Sami Zayn. Does Jey Uso have a shot of unseating Roman Reigns? Should he have a shot? Is Jey Uso a guy who can be a world champion and be elevated by the storyline. What do you think, Jesse? Two things before I rain on people's parade. <laughs> Three things. Michael Cole mentioned the exact date, which in a sense kind of tipped me off that something he was going to get pinned on this night. Mm, yeah. December 15th, 2019. 
They didn't mention who was pinned by him. I was in attendance. It was here in Minneapolis, TLC. Mm. So that's one. Solo Sokoa, I love his real name, by the way. I did not know this until I did the old Wikipedia. Joseph Yokozuna Fatu. Very nice. Homage to his uncle, Rodney Mm -hmm. Anoy. Lastly, Roman with his tremendous, when they were just doing the stand-up, if you think Roman sucks, Roman basically saying, why am I here? Why are we here? The England is the dumbest place of all time. He's just oh, looking yeah. at Paul. I it's was, like on the outside of the ring. Yeah, I was in tears. <laughs> These I was are the dumbest tears. people. Yeah, I loved Rome. I I'm really getting into Roman more and more now. I I really mm-hmm. am. Uh, I love the old school psychology of these matches. I think there needs to be a little bit more of it in pro wrestling where it's got to start slow and you have that incremental build. I think they do a great job with that storytelling. This That's another part. With Jey Uso, you have to give him this championship match because he's done something that hasn't been done in three and a half years. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Yet, to buy him as a main event act, even though that's his nickname, and the problem is, since 2022, kayfabe again, he's won in six in singles matches. I can't buy that. Mm-hmm. If, if, if we're being real here, I felt when they went to him during the pandemic, it was very abrupt. It was all of a sudden like, oh, Roman just needs a first opponent. Let's start here. Okay. Jey Uso's fresh. He's never been a singles competitor. Just fortunate enough Jimmy was out. He never really got a proper push then. So yeah, I, did, I did like the story they told, though it was, you know, somewhat brief. But they had a hell. They had a good match. No, they they really did. There were a lot of callbacks to this match as well. Mm-hmm. By the way, when Roman put Jimmy in the triangle, the one thing that they yeah. can tell on the story at SummerSlam is Roman has never submitted Jay because in during that I Quit match. At Hell in a Cell, Jay quit because his brother was in the triangle. So you yeah. can tell that story too. I saw I like the homage to Jay Uso with the with the rock punch, the spit mm-hmm. in the hand and the punch. Yeah. So you can also make a nice little callback note there. But that yeah, that that's my problem. And he just lost to Austin Theory in a in a US title match on Friday on SmackDown. Yeah. Or yeah, the show you were at. Mm-hmm. So can I buy him long-term as a main event act or somebody to unseat Roman? No. I think that to culminate this chapter of the story, to make you maybe believe that he could do it, it was the right it maybe it was the right call for the storyline. But I think going forward, no. I don't buy him at all. I am a little more positive on it. Not that he will unseat Roman, but I think that's probably the SummerSlam match. You do because if you don't, I mean, again, you're you're running out of people for Roman to work against, you know, to believably have a shot at him. I think this, you know, if I was comparing Jay Uso to L.A. Knight and who we had this discussion earlier, who could stay in the main event picture? I think Jay Uso because he has the WWE pedigree. He's done it all in the tag team division for a decade. A lot of their big stars throughout history have been guys they elevated out of the tag team division. Um I think he's shown working singles matches like back in 2020 that he can do it and he can succeed in the story on his own and have really good singles matches. So I don't know. I know I've seen people trying to remember. I think 
is it Brian Zilm's been on this that that Jay Uso has been the story all along? Um, Bruce Hazelwood. Yeah, Bruce is. Oh, that's who I was definitely thinking. Of. Bruce has really been on this. That Jay is has been the story all along. So again, like if you didn't do it with Sammy and you didn't do it with Cody, now Cody wasn't involved in the bloodline story. He just was the challenger, but Sammy certainly was. You can make the argument that it's all been about Jay since the beginning and that Jay should be the guy. So I I definitely get the argument. I'm not sold that they're going to do it. Uh, I don't want to totally rule out that he could be a world champion just because, I mean, we've seen people get the world title in this promotion over history that were lesser than Jay Uso. And I think he could succeed at it. I really do. I, I wouldn't be totally anti giving him a shot at it and to see how he, how he can do, but I would be shocked if it happened in the first match, you know, at SummerSlam, but who knows? This was to be one of the main points I was going to bring up was when Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels went single, it took them a good year, year and a half of singles matches as or singles a singles performer. It took them a year, year and a half to build up a resume and the pedigree to establish that, yes, these guys are forced as a singles performers. I think if you didn't toggle Jay in and out to no fault of his own, I mean, he's always been in a tag team with his brother. Mm-hmm. If you had kept him constant and ran this course as a singles performer in 21 and 22, this would be more believable to me. I think that's the problem. I think if you, I think maybe if Roman does retain, which he, I think is hundred percent retaining at SummerSlam when he does retain, if you want to continue with Jay on his singles journey over the next six, 12 months that you can entertain the thought of him, maybe running with the main event ball, like you're alluding to. I just think the kind of, abrupt ins and outs of him being a singles performer should be for now held against him. So you think like build him up again, then holding a mid card title kind of thing. Absolutely. Do it yeah. the old school. just like Brett and Sean did. Cause I mean, yeah, what, once they were able to establish themselves is, Hey, we can do this on our own and we look great doing it. And the crowds are responding to you. Davy boy Smith, another example, same, same deal with the IC title. I mean, did a great yeah. job there. Established himself as a singles performer. I think that's what they need to do more of with Jey Uso. Yeah, Brett would be the one that most closely matches Jay because they toyed with singles runs with Brett before they actually did. Was it 89? Around there, they did it a little bit. And they, then he went back in the tag division. You know, they got the tag titles again. And then in 91, going full single, going the IC yep. title route. His world title win totally came kind of out of nowhere. I mean, he was coming off of Wembley in the in the big card over there. But, you know, with Jay, they weren't toying with it in the same way. They were, it was kind of out of necessity versus them thinking Brett had something. You know, Jimmy, his issues, he wasn't around. Jay's going to work on his own. They did that. He succeeded, though. Put him back with his brother. Now they're going to do it again. Uh, but it's built into the story for the last couple of years. So we we'll, we shall see. I am intrigued. I would say that. I know a lot of our listeners don't watch much WWE anymore, and frankly, I don't watch it week to week, but there's certain things that I do watch week to week, and it's always the Bloodline stuff. Yes. And, you know, if you were anti-Roman for years, you really owe it to yourself to watch this guy. As you said, becoming a bigger and bigger fan of him, he is tremendous. He has really grown into this role, Um, not just with the, the wrestling, but, you know, the character work has been so good that, even if you're not a fan of WWE, you should be watching this bloodline stuff while it lasts because it's very good. And Roman Roman is definitely one of the top, 
in the industry all around right now. Yeah, I think from a character perspective, if you add that in, I should be hard pressed for me to find anyone better. Mm-hmm. All around. All in around, ring, yeah. I could I could find a lot of guys I like a little bit more, but that's me being subjective. I think mm-hmm. if you wanted to play a little more fantasy booking, I'll just make this quick. They want to bring Cody back into the fold, and they're talking about WrestleMania 40. I think, again, have Roman beat Jay, then have Jay go on a, on a singles run, kind of in the off-beaten path, have Cody unseat Roman at WrestleMania, maybe have Jay Uso win it at the next SummerSlam. If yeah. you want to go that route and just see if you can run with, see if his popularity holds up over the course of this next year without the the lead in of Roman being there, have him have him test the waters against other fantastic performers too on that on that roster. Yeah, I mean we're <laughs> it's it's a long ways away to get to WrestleMania. You know the whole finish the story stuff with Cody. I mean you're gonna. You're going to have to have him win the Rumble again then to get him over on SmackDown unless there's like a trade or something because now you got the brand split stuff. And certainly they could go that route. I would maintain they should have just done it this last year. But uh, yeah. They they should have. I, I can understand why they didn't with Sammy because it's almost in the same way of Jey Uso being kayfabe. He was losing a lot more than he was winning. I think with Sammy, that was the good chance to split the titles, though, in hindsight. Like, if they're going to do the two world champion thing, you know, that's where they could have done it. They could have made that for one of the belts and split them off that way. Yeah. Cody had an unblemished record going in. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge reason why you probably still should have pulled the trigger there. Yep. And I, I guess the biggest question is, even without that last domino of him, of Roman losing his titles. We're now starting to see the entire bloodline crumble quite a bit, and Roman still has the championship. So maybe that's kind of the crown jewel, no pun intended, to the to that story of the bloodline. If it's not Jey Uso, I don't think it's anybody until Cody. I mean, right. I can't imagine anyone else doing it at this point. And even Jay, it's a stretch. Don't get me wrong. But like, I can't possibly think of anyone else who who would do it that would make sense. You know, like, could Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns? Yeah, but that would be pointless. Jesus, don't do that. Um, could they get Drew back in that picture? I mean, maybe. But, boy, hard. you know, they had a chance with Drew McIntyre, and they didn't pull the trigger over at Clash of the Castle. So I don't really see that happening. So, yeah, I think we if it doesn't happen at SummerSlam, it's not going to happen for a while. Let's Let's look at this. So what do you think? The cards looking like for SummerSlam. Would you you think Jay Roman at SummerSlam? We talked about that. Um, Cody and Brock. Cody and Brock. You talked about how surprising Brock didn't show up here to maybe set that up. You've got uh, Gunther and Drew McIntyre. The the women's title matches don't seem to have much direction right now. I think it's a little harder to predict the women's world title matches. Any thoughts? Rhea's wrestling Natty again on Raw. Yes, saw that. Why? Once again, <laughs> got to keep that Guinness World Record up, man. Natty just, with the most matches on Raw of anyone in history, apparently. Just obliterated her in two minutes and embarrassed <laughs> her. This was at Backlash, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to do it again on national TV? What's what's going on there? Uh, Asuka? I don't, is that going to be a triple threat with Bianca and Charlotte? Yeah, I could see that. Ronda, Shayna, I'm convinced we'll see. Mm-hmm. So there's three. From there, 
maybe well Damian Priest. He'll be wrestling somebody. I know that there has been some strife over the last three four months with with Finn and Damian. You could see some some slow cracks. Kind of so maybe we'll start to see that unfold. We'll see that match at SummerSlam. I think it's a good possibility. What if they uh, make them team together? You know, they like they draw out the heat and like Finn and Damian got a team go for the tag titles or something like that. That'd be great. Yeah, have them go against Sammy and Kevin. Yeah, watch Sammy and Kevin break not break up another team, but just give them something entertaining. Yeah, I could see that. That was tremendous, by the way. I didn't mention that Sammy and Kevin in the pre-match interview with before the Civil War. Mm-hmm. We're gonna watch Roman go down. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Becky and Trish probably. Austin Theory will find his way on the card somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then again, though, we're for, we just threw together a lot of matches. These PLEs they haven't had more than seven. This was probably the most matches we've seen on a on a card in a while. They've usually been five six range. Yeah. Still a pretty tight show, though. I mean, what was the length on this? It wasn't like three a and a half. Show. It was three and a half. Okay, yep. so well, a little longer than I thought, but under four at least. With the money in the banks, if you anticipate those going longer, the I was going to say the Cody match was short. The Gunther match was short. Mm-hmm. Seth and Finn was like average time. The, the the main event went thirty two minutes if I looked at it correctly. Yeah, it actually that main event flew by. It didn't feel yes. that long to me at all. Very good main event. Match was that your match of the night? I assume. Yes, and and again, I would love to see more old school psychology from every promotion. I think New Japan does a great job of the old school psychology, much like this. I'll ask you this question: Are you sick of the the Roman formulaic ref bumps during these matches? A little bit. I think the fact that. He doesn't work that often makes it stand out more too because it's like his matches are such an event and when it happens every time then again being a heel I mean it's just classic pro wrestling but yeah it does get a little tiresome when you don't see the guy work very often and then it always happens you I am I, I really am I think it's just one of these times I mean thankfully this ended in going the other way with the Usos winning without any shenanigans so that's probably how his reign is gonna end it's like nothing is gonna like the person's actually the guy's actually gonna rightfully unseat roman Mm -hmm. without any help from the bloodline because the the story over the last three years is how unified they've been but now they've been fully coming apart and here we are Mm -hmm. well guys let us know your thoughts you can email the show topropenation at gmail.com or on social media at Top Rope Nation everywhere, and get in the Facebook group. Jesse's there. Always great discussion going on. I'm there. Justin's there. Kyle's still hanging around once in a while. Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling discussion on Facebook. I do want to make a recommendation since tomorrow's Independence Day. Uh, if you've never heard it, a couple years ago, we did a great retrospective show on the main feed. It wasn't Patreon. On the history of WCW NWA Great American Bash, we had Graham Cawthon from the History of WWE, founder of the History of WWE, on that show. And we went through the whole history of the show thematically because it was the time of the 4th of July when we recorded that. So if you've never heard it, you can find it on our podcast feeds or look it up on YouTube. There's a video stream of it as well. That's one of my all-time favorite shows we've ever done. So if you're looking to put on something in the background or while you're grilling on Independence Day, look up our Great American Bash retrospective. It was God, two or three years ago maybe two years ago 
look it up. Um, but that was a really fun one. And as we said at the top, Jesse, you got your podcast coming back next Monday, correct? July the 10th, yes. Jesse C. Velasquez, Twitter, Wrestling You and You on Twitter, Google, Apple, and Spotify, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, where we are streaming right now. I'm going to try to petition this for next year's June Classics. I'll, I'll rebring it up, but Great American Bash 1989. I don't know how you guys have not reviewed that. I was actually kind of surprised that that didn't win, to be honest with you. <laughs> I thought I thought it might win. I was hoping to do it, to be honest with you. but It's the only WCW pay-per-view that my dad ordered in the 80s. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had a good discussion on that show about that one, but I would like to deep dive on it at some point. I, I've watched that WCW pay-per-view more than I've watched any. I was oh, like, wow. where where's the support for this? Because there, yeah, there, there's a lot of good stuff on there. There's a couple of things that aren't great, much like you've been uncovering with the 90 and 91 WCW. But this at the mm-hmm. time in 89, this is Ric Flair's golden year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. For sure. Gotta go back and watch that event for sure. Yeah, I just looked it up. Great American Bash, the best matches in history of the event. Uh, July 2nd, 2021 is when we did that show. So two years ago, it's on YouTube. I might post it in the Facebook group to give people a reminder if they haven't heard it. But uh, yeah, it's a really good one. Some discussion on 89 on there and all the rest of them. Please check it out. I think you'll like it. Jesse, it's been a blast. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming on. Love stepping into the co-host chair, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We will talk soon, and we'll talk to the rest of you very soon as well. Enjoy Independence Day. Have a great week, everyone. Catch you next time. For the first time in three and a half years, since December of 2019, Roman Reigns was pinned by his cousin, made of it. Jay Uso, how sweet it is. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park